Now on the tee, it's Maddie and the Caddy. Here's Matt Barry and Michael Collins. Ah, it is time for the weekly tee box to sponsor alongside the Caddy. Michael Collins. I am the Maddie. This is Maddie and the Caddy, the podcast. As always, hit us up on social media, both Instagram and Twitter, at Maddie and Caddy, M-A-T-T-Y, the word and, C-A-D-D-I-E. We've loved the engagement on social media. Thank you for every bit of the download, subscription, and rate. And, Michael, not only can they get a hold of us on social media now, phone calls as well. Hit us on the listener line. You can give Maddie and the Caddy a call, 860-506-6012. And when you call us, leave your name and ask us anything your little heart desires. And as long as it ain't too uh, dark, remember... We are a Disney-owned company. We'll answer your question and give you a shout-out on the Maddie and the Caddy podcast. So the listener line, one last time, 860-506-6012. Here's the beauty of the listener line is I, I feel like from from going on, we can have a, a really hidden, hidden podcast of calls that were too dark to get on air. Mm-hmm. And maybe one day we'll do like a Maddie and the Caddy Platinum where you, you can buy access to them and we'll give the money to charity. That's what I'm saying, like a subscription to the podcast questions that would be rated greater than PG-13. Yeah. I mean, at this point, we're filled with so many good ideas. We we can't be contained. <laughs> uh, but we do want to thank you uh, for joining us on this special MLK Day edition of Maddie and the Caddy. And our guest today is someone, a Hall of Famer, an all-time great, someone, Michael, that I, that I think until we talked to him and he explained it, uh, Reggie Jackson, Mr. October, I would bet a lot of people would use the term, at least I would use the term after talking to him, as misunderstood. Extremely. And... I don't think that there are a lot of people out there that kind of understood the racial undertones that he was going through and was feeling while he was playing baseball for the Yankees, almost because he was such a great hitter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And because of that, then he came across to a lot of people in the media as one certain way. And I think this is a great conversation where he talks about everything that he felt and went through, and then how golf is really helping him. Exactly. And that that, that was one of the things I was most excited to see is you, you have a guy like Reggie Jackson, who's one of the greatest of all time, one of the great uh, postseason players of all time, and you see him and you just see how he lights up at the golf course. So we are excited uh, this week. Our guest on Maddie Nakati, Mr. October, Reggie Jackson. Maybe... My my favorite guest at this point, I'm at any caddy, Mr. October. I mean, when he's here, when the great Reggie Jackson, Arizona State Sun Devil like myself, sits down on the show, you just sit and you listen to the stories. Uh, when did golf become a thing for you? Oh, boy. What a great question to start that off with. Um, I would say, you know, as a as a young kid, um, 14, 15 years old, uh, we weren't allowed on a golf course. 
as, as a colored kid, um, but we could shag balls. And uh, you weren't, it, it wasn't a thing that you were bitter about because you were raised as just kind of a second tier citizen. You was just second class citizen. But we couldn't go to the country club unless you, you know, shag balls or something like that. And I got to learn <clears throat> who the great golfers were, Hogan and Sneed mm-hmm. and, and those type of guys as, as players. Uh, and then, of course, I followed along with Arnold Palmer because he was from Latrobe, Pennsylvania, and I'm yep. from Pennsylvania. Yeah. And whether you were Stan Musial or Joe Montana or um, um, Arnold Palmer or any of the guys from, from Pennsylvania, uh, you just rooted for him. You know, and so I got to be uh, not necessarily part of Arnie's army because uh, I never could go to an event. But uh, I followed golf because of Arnold Palmer. And then I didn't like Jack Nicholas when he came along because he was better than Arnie. <laughs> yeah. you, know? you and everybody else. Yeah. And then, uh, however, I, I met Jack Nicholas and his wife, and he was so kind. Uh, of a person he's yeah. so gentle of a person and when jack nicholas started playing he was kind of pudgy you know he he was fat like he jack. was the bear yeah okay and they <laughs> called him fat jack yep but um you know when you followed and recognized that kind of greatness and then of course gary player and lee trevino um and uh you know weisskopf and all those guys uh guys uh, uh tom watson and those players and they got to be so good and they 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 represented the country very well, um, and so I, I just liked golf as a kid. I never played much golf because I, you know, we weren't allowed on a golf course yeah. as, as a colored kid. Yeah. And I use the term colored because that's what it was back then, uh, right? Yes, yeah. and I still use the term at time if I'm with 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 brothers or somebody like Mike. Mm-hmm. I'll say, "Well, me, you know, hey, Reggie, how you feeling?" I say, "Well, you know, good for a colored man," <laughs> yeah. which, which which gives you a a, a communication and a translation. Where it makes them close. There's a closeness yes. to the term. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so I'll, I'll use the term uh, in, in bonding or, or building relationship. When I see a guy like Mike, as I recognize him on on the golf course, whether it's the beard or or, or the chunkiness, uh, <laughs> he, he, he's a brother that's doing well and advancing and advancing the cause. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, but I have always been a golf golf fan i i like the etiquette of it i like the class of it um and i admire the greatness of the players young and old how did you not let you not being allowed on a course to play how did you not let that make you bitter about the sport and still continue to now play in these pro-ams and these events Um, and love the game it, it it does um i still have a residual of of difficulty um, I live in Pebble Beach, California. They have maybe one or two, I don't think, I think one African American member, uh, at Cyprus, and I've, I've only played it once. Um, so I'm, 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 it's painful for me to go by. It's painful to me to, 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 I live there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and have never really been invited or asked to join, and I would love to, to have joined. Um, I've been invited to Augusta several times with Ozzy Smith, where he goes down and plays <clears throat> every year after spring training. And I've always been a little uncomfortable to go because I remember when they wouldn't allow us to play, um, you know, blacks or could only caddy, et cetera, et cetera. And so I, it, it still does impact me mm-hmm. um, because of 
I, I have a residual, just just a difficulty of of the memory. You yeah. came up during a time when yes, that was normal behavior. Where now it's the almost the exact opposite. Yes, yes. And, um, and so yeah, there's going to be a little bit residual. There, you know, but- Mike, I can tell you that in uh, I'll, I'll be short. Uh, in 1964, five. I remember when they allowed Negroes to vote, and I was 18, 19 years old. Wow, that's man, that's just fast. That's not and far. That's not long. That's enough. yeah. That's yeah. The, in, in the that. big picture of time. Right. That is not a long time. In, ago. in November, my show in November, I had a focus on voting, and my guest was Jim Brown. Mm. <coughs> Again, was a huge part of the movement. Absolutely, and and Jimmy and I had a had a segment on register to vote. No matter who you are, you can go on CaliforniaGov.com and vote. And so for all of the people that are even listening to this show, mm-hmm. vote when you're dissatisfied or you're disgruntled. Don't complain. Uh, get you know into the stream of things. Get into the know. Have participation and vote on your choice. Mm-hmm. And so whether no matter who it is, who the candidate is, whether I'm not Democrat, I'm not Republican, I am a person that is for the people. I want the people to be better off. And sometimes your decisions seem to be Democratic, and sometimes those decisions are Republicans. And so there's a meld somewhere in the yeah. middle. There's some kind of a relationship, a meshing in the middle that should be. And I'm disappointed that it's not that way. Mm. When you look at the great connector, the, the reason Mike and I love this sport is because it has now become a, a game that is a great connector of people. When you come out and play at these events and you're around other athletes from this era, your era and beyond, what is this game when you bring all these people together to now connect? Um, it's, it's f- for me, Matt, and, and I can speak, uh, as Reggie, as third, I can speak in third person. Yeah. And it, and it, and it can make sense. Um, and so in third person, Reggie Jackson shows up and I'm, Got people that are super fans and love Reggie Jackson, the baseball player, and there are <clears throat> the athletes, the Marcus Allens of the world and the Greg Maddoxes of the world, the Ray Allens of the world, that look at me as a guy that cut the path, a guy that made the way. Um, I talked to Mark Al- Marcus Allen one time, and I said, "Hey man, you didn't call me back. You why you didn't call me back, Reggie? Hey man, you're you wrong. You must not have my number. <laughs> there is no way I would not call you back. Right? right? When I was young, you were it. You were the guy. You set the tone. I respect that. I would never not call you back. Um, Richard Dent uh, comes to my golf tournament every year, yeah. and um, he got up and spoke, and he said, "I want people to know that." You know, I come here because when Muhammad Ali passed, we looked to Reggie Jackson to set the pace. Mm. Now, th- I can't be any more honored uh, than that. Mm. And so, <clears throat> for me, you know, I can look at Tiger Woods and root. Yeah. Root hard for mm. him. Because when he does well, it connects the dots with people. Um, the FedEx Cup last year, East the Lake. tournament that he won. Yeah. I mean, talk about a, a, a rainbow of people following him. Mm-hmm. Those people there did not care what 
color Tiger Woods was. And for me, I see color because I'm 72. I was raised in the 60s. I was, um, I was the N-word, Negra, Negro, colored, mixed, multicultural, all of those things. And so when I see someone bring people together just because people want to see his greatness and enjoy it, I am overwhelmed with a feeling of being a human being that feels good. Hope. It actually, it, it feels, that's what hope feels like to know you came from a time when even the thought of someone like Tiger Woods and the rainbow of people and colors yes. that you see. It was just was a dream. Un, it, it, yeah, almost, almost too good dream. to be a dream. Was How a dream. was your greatness perceived when you were in your prime? Um, Received, I, 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 I cut the path. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I pushed my excellence as a player, as an athlete, the way I spoke or carried myself, I was on edge. Mm-hmm. Um, I was considered a guy who was going against a grain. I was considered controversial. I wasn't considered bright, articulate. I was articulate for a colored man. But, you know, during the time that I was coming along, the times were different. So I had to be terse and and, and difficult at times in appearance because I had to demand dignity. It wasn't given to me. Mm. And so there, w- there was pain for that. And as I looked back in the past and looked some of my videos or some of the, the media film in the past, I recognized that, boy, I was terse. I was mm. tough. But in my conversations with Jim Brown mm-hmm. on my radio, he says, I understand you, Reggie. understand where you came from and what you did. People were uncomfortable with you because you demanded dignity. And whether it was Jim Brown or Frank Robinson or Bob Gibson um, or players like that, Will Chamberlain, Bill Russell and Ali, guys that, that, that cut a path um, for uh, dignity... Uh, and honor uh, Martin Luther King. The, the, the best with it, I think, ever was Ali, mm-hmm. because he told a story, right. and he told it in a way that was malleable for the ear. It, it was easy to 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 understand where he was coming from. Mine was direct. Yeah, Bill Russell's was direct, um, and so I had a terseness. Ali had an easiness, you know, with his. Um, A mass appeal to his message. Yes, yes. Um, I think what Tiger Woods does, um, I I don't think the Tiger goes out of his way to promote continuity or togetherness, but his success is, is, it brings a warmth to all people. And so for, I root for his success because of what it does for the world. It's funny how you talked about you you were a big fan of Arnold Palmer and you didn't like Jack Nicholas because he came along and was he was, was beating my guy. He was beating the guy. <laughs> but this is what, so now like when you were saying how you had to be back in the day and how Jack was back in the day Jack's love now. 
Yes. Do you feel that now from the crowd? Because like just Absolutely. out there, Absolutely. when we when you came yeah. off the yeah. golf course, there were a couple of guys and they were coming around and boy, they couldn't get enough. But of he you. was yeah. still vintage Red Sox. He said, Red Sox hat. He's like, you want me to sign that? We're wearing <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I saw the guy with the red, uh, vintage Reggie. I yeah. said, in my honor, take that hat off. <laughs> he did. I was standing take right there. What's the matter with you? And he did. Too. Yeah. You see me walking up here with my Yankee hat? Don't you know who yeah. I am? Yeah. Yeah. That, wear that hat and ask me. Put that hat behind you. <laughs> You're looking my seven irons in the back. <laughs> but, but that is a good question. Do you feel that now? The love for everything that you know? absolutely. Um, it's. I mean, I can talk to some of the Japanese golfers, and they'll hear my. They'll hear my name, and and they'll perk up. They'll they'll stick their hand out. I was talking to a lady last night. Her name is Grace. Her daughter's name is Danielle, and and she's been mentored by uh, Marcus Allen because they're from the same neighborhood. Uh Danielle Kang. Yes, Daniel so Kane. He had said to me. Uh, she said to me, her mother. Uh, she sat at dinner with myself and Marcus and and um, the, the giant Richard Dent, and she apologized <laughs> to me for not knowing. She said, "Oh, Mr. Jackson, I'm so sorry. I didn't recognize who you were." And she, "Could I have my picture? Could I have your autograph? This and that." And so I just was very gracious and thankful. And recognize that how I could hurt feelings, how I could damage someone's feeling about themselves, or when they come up to me and they humbled to present themselves and, and fawn over with me, fawn over me. I recognize the gifts that I've been given, the stature I've been given in the country by the fans and media mm-hmm. and respect, and so I need to honor that. If if I get testy, I need to go to bed, go back to the room, Reg. You know, there was a time last <laughs> yeah. night where I got a little worn out, and so my guy that's with me, big guy, built a little bit like Mike, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he says, let's go in. You need to get in. you got an early day because I was getting worn down. Yeah. Uh-huh. But uh, but I'm, I'm grateful and I'm honored, and... Um, I do my best to be congenial in public and share time with people and have fun. And tell me the truth. The first time that they approached you, you, you're still the only person I know that's ever had a candy bar named after him. You're a bad man. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm not saying. I'm just saying. But when they first approached you and said, um, we want to put a candy bar together and put your name on it. Yes. What was that like? Did you go, come on, man, get out of here. I know. I went like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> as, as a matter of fact, really? as a matter of fact, Mike and, and, and Matt, um, <laughs> I'm talking to a company in Scranton, Pennsylvania, about bringing it back, the candy bar, for yes. charity. And um, there's a very good friend of mine, Ralph Lauren, has a daughter by the name of Dylan. Mm-hmm. And she has several candy stores around the country, so... I'm working at bringing the Reggie bar back. It might come back. Yes. Uh, now, when in. did... Yeah, uh, bro, hello. Look at the shape of me. You think I'm not doing no candy bar? <laughs> Please. When I'm going to have you for a tester. That's, oh, I'm yeah, in. He can be... Yeah, he's yes. a candy tester. I'll tell you what... The, <laughs> hey, this works and this doesn't work. When did you start your golf tournament? Uh, my golf tournament started in 1997. And um, we do... We raise money for STEM education, science, technology, engineering, and math. And we have our curriculum from 6th to 12th grade in front of a million students throughout the United States. 
But we get a great deal of support from Federal Express, and we get a great deal of support from Titleist and TaylorMade, and just quite a few people. The New York Yankees are big supporters of us. SAP is a big supporter. Pepsi is a big supporter. So many people are there helping us. Ralph Lauren gives us our clothing every year. So the corporate world has been absolutely fabulous for us. And when did you when did you realize that you were addicted to playing the game? Because you got the bug. Um. I, I don't know, Mike. I would say I've always enjoyed it, especially after you have a day like today. I had a ruptured patella tendon last March, mm. and I played in <clears throat> I played in Valspar and shot seventy six. I played here last year and played with Brooke Henderson and shot seventy six. Um, and, and I hit the ball probably two sixty, two seventy, and I chased her driver all day long. <laughs> that old, big old long driver choking it up, choking it up about a foot. And, and hitting it out there with me forever. and by me. Yeah, she yeah, hits so, it forever. So, But I do uh, enjoy it, enjoy the people in the crowd and the relationships that I've built with the media and the respect that I have. Um, I'm, uh, I'm grateful and thankful for it. Well, we are grateful and thankful for you yeah. and making some time for us. Uh, anything we can do for you to help with your event, we'd, we'd love to do it. There's one question we ask everybody, everybody and yep. we got to ask you too. you got a golf foursome, living or dead. Where are you playing? Who's in your foursome? I would play with Ben Hogan, Tiger Woods, Charles Barkley. Oh, that's a good one. And Michael Jordan. And the reason why I have Jordan and Barkley in the group is because I would laugh for five hours. (laughs) I'd pay to see Hogan's reaction. What golf course are you playing? Oh, we'd probably go to Pebble. I live there. I wouldn't have to drive very far. <laughs> That's it. Home game for Reggie Jackson. You've earned it. Right Thank you so Thank much you so for your time. It's just Thank spectacular. Thank Appreciate you for your time. And, uh, yeah, your tournament, we, just <laughs> say when. We're there. Okay, buddy. I mean, that's, Michael, in terms of 20-minute conversations I've had, podcast, TV, radio, otherwise, that was one of the best. It felt really good to hear him say everything not only that he said but also i think the way that he said it and i think that's one of the things i take away from that conversation is the just honesty that he was able to lay out there about golf baseball where he is now compared to where he was and and that is just it's one of those things where I think and I I think and my hope is that people who heard that conversation and felt one way about Reggie Jackson may, maybe come away feeling exactly. a different way. Exactly. So we're going to unpack all of that uh Tiger obviously teeing it up at Tory Pines this week. We'll unpack the Reggie Jackson conversation and kind of some things we took from it uh and we will talk Tiger at Tory Pines cuz it all kind of comes together in one nice little package on this MLK Day special of Maddie and the Patty, uh, Caddy podcast. We'll have that coming up next. Welcome back to Maddie and the Caddy. Michael Collins, Matt Barry, alongside. We have just listened to the Reggie Jackson conversation that we had with him uh, at the Diamond Resorts Tournament of Champions. And here's what I want to start with, with, with the conversation. It's MLK Day, and he had talked about in the interview – about he could remember the day that he was allowed to vote and being raised in the 60s and not being able to go to a golf course because he used to use his words, he was a colored boy. And all of that to sit there across from someone 
that is so recognizable in American sport. Michael, to sit across from him and hear stories looking at him eye to eye of how it affected him is an impact that I'll never forget because I just cannot believe it. I think you said it perfectly during the interview. That wasn't that long ago. Yeah, that's the one thing that we all, I think, still take for granted. Those of us who didn't go through that and are a little too young to remember, but hear people tell us that the things that they went through. When it comes to a superstar athlete like Reggie Jackson was, we forget that he went through it too. So I think what happens is because of that, because honestly, we take for granted the freedoms that we all have now and kind of where we are as a society, regardless of I don't care politically what side you're on. It doesn't matter. Think about the think about the ability that we all have now as Americans and then think back to very short time ago where not everyone had those same abilities and rights. And we forget how soon that was. And so it's easy to kind of, I don't want to say take for granted because that's not true. It's that we forget. We easily forget that, oh, that's right. There are still people around us. And there are still people that are in the spotlight that actually went through something that we have no idea what that felt like. And it's so easy for us to go, well, I mean, that's just something you push to the side, right? No, that's something that you carry with you. And that's why I love the question that you asked him, Matt, when you said, how are you not bitter? How are you not, how is it, how can you still love the game of golf after so many times you were pushed away from the game because of the color of your skin? That's right. And I, I, his reaction was priceless. Yeah, and I don't know. I still don't know. Like, if there was something that... I don't know that I could do that. No way. No way. Knowing what he went through and hearing his story, I mean, about how he lives in that area where he's only played the course where he lives a couple of times because they just don't... He wants to be a member. I mean, the fact that there are still places that keep him from certain opportunities... And the fact that this was like, this, it was like that his whole time coming up that he even picks up a club or even looks at a club. And I'll tell you this, that shows, let me, this shows the impact Arnold Palmer had on the sport to take someone that was basically said, no, you're not allowed on our course. You're only allowed on our course if you shag balls for him. To be able to love the game because he followed Arnold Palmer is all you need to know about the reach of the king. And it also hopefully then gives other people a little perspective if they hear someone go, yeah, well, Reggie Jackson's like this. It gives someone who hears this podcast an opportunity to go, you say that, but do you know about Reggie Jackson and what he's been through? And I think that's what life should be like that life should be like if you have an opinion about someone and you don't know everything about them then before you put that opinion in concrete learn what you can and from ev- from that person especially and i'll tell you when i when i came back here to uh bristol at espn and i was getting ready to do sports center the other day i was talking to someone on the show staff 
And he, you know, he was saying, Hey, you know, you and Caddy out in Orlando, but we had a good time. I said, Yeah, I had, I had one of the most remarkable conversations I've ever had with an athlete in, in my life. And they're like, Oh, really? Who was it? And when I said Reggie Jackson, their eyes got big. And the first words out of their mouth were, Yeah, but isn't he kind of a bleep? <laughs> right. That's what they said. They're like, it, Yeah. He's, he's that. I was like, Okay. I was like, Good. Stay with that mindset and then listen to this week's episode. Because and, I I remember yeah. growing up in Scottsdale when he was on the Oakland A staff when I was growing up back in the day, he wasn't a nice man. Right. He, he just wasn't. I do I it still does make me laugh that he uses the term terse to describe himself. Which is basically like for us, it's like someone in a retirement home when they don't want to use a bad word to describe themselves. But also then you ever notice if if you meet somebody and they're just not in a good place, like whatever, and they're not being nice, right? Mm-hmm. And you go away and you're standing maybe with one of your friends and you're like, yo, see the dude, man, dude's an ass. Right. Right. And then that person comes over and goes, man, I'm sorry. I was an ass. And then you're like, well, you're not an ass now. Yeah, it all changes. You just came over and totally called yourself out. So that's. I just, I am really, it gives me hope in people that someone who had the attitude that Reggie Jackson had now comes out and calls himself out and says, this is why I was that way, but I admit, yeah, I was that way. Like that, not only. But then explaining, but explaining Take that one step further, but explaining why he felt he had to be that way. Yeah. Because he brought up the whole conversation with Muhammad Ali, and Muhammad Ali had a way. Ali had a way of doing things like this and doing things like that and being more big picture and being more, um, what's the word that I want to use? When he was spreading his message of equality, he was more bombastic with it and said it in a very quotable way and he was entertaining diffusing. while he was doing it. Yes, that's it. Diffusing and entertaining. You know, that's terse exactly. by definition is abrupt and <laughs> and short with words. Correct. And Reggie And very, very key to rubbing someone the wrong way. Yes. And Reggie Jackson compared himself to Jim Brown and I think that's a good comparison. Because yeah. Jim Brown's got the same reputation. And when we sat down for that, for, there were two things about the interview uh, with Reggie Jackson. One, I didn't expect to get it. I didn't know this side of Reggie. I don't think you, maybe you did. I didn't. Uh, I had an idea of how Reggie's evolved as a person publicly when we were hanging out with him on the driving range the day before. And he made me laugh a couple of times because at first I was nervous standing next to him at the driving range. I'm like, oh, God, here's Reggie Jackson. This guy's not nice. This guy's not a nice guy. So I'm just standing there waiting for the other other shoe to drop. Like, But then we end up having a conversation with him, and then he ends up telling stories. Then he ends up showing us pictures of his his knee surgery and his scar, and I'm like, well, wait, who's this? Exactly. Who's this? And then all of a sudden it clicked. I was like, wow. And then I started to realize that we might get this dude and we might talk to him and sit down with one of the greatest of all time. And then to kind of peel back the layer for the Maddie and Caddy patrons. So we, we tentatively set up 
this interview on the driving range after we all get done talking and laughing and have a good time. Yeah. Reggie gives us his card, writes down his cell phone number. He's like, here you guys go anytime you need me. And I'm just kind of looking at Caddy and I was like, I don't, I'm, I'm a little confused, but okay. So we pencil in mentally and through conversation to Michael and I that we might get Reggie Jackson the following day for the podcast. So when we're sitting there uh, in the area where we did the interviews, the golf carts pull up and Michael was over at the driving range because we were Marcus Allen, who you will hear in, in a coming episode here. I'm adding the caddy. You were going over to check on Marcus Allen or Richard Dent, one of the two. And Reggie Jackson pulls up in his golf cart, sees me, waves, smiles, gets out of the cart. He's like, you guys still need me? Where are we doing this? And, I, and right when, that's right when I pulled up. And that's when you're pulling up. I'm like, this is unbelievable. Like, yeah. And then I started thinking, I was like, maybe I'm the ass. Maybe I was wrong about Reggie Jackson. <laughs> no, no, you weren't. And I, I will say this is one of the many reasons why I'm so proud to be a part of ESPN because of the reach. Last year, Reggie Jackson played in the Pro-Am on Wednesday, and I had never met him before. And I saw him on the 18th green, and I wanted to go introduce myself and tell him as a little kid what a big fan I was. And as I went down to do it, uh, he saw me, his eyes got big, he came over, put his hand out, and was like, hey, man, I'm real proud of you. And I was spe- I didn't know what to say. And he goes, what you're doing in this sport for us matters. And I was like, now I can't talk because I got a big lump in my throat because mm-hmm. Reggie Jackson just said that to me. And I was like, "From that was it. Now, he, he and I have a, a an acquaintance. Um, well, not an acquaintance. He's friends with someone that I'm friends with. And so that was always, an, I thought, would be an easy conversation started with him. But the fact then that ESPN put me in the position that I'm in and through that then allowed Reggie Jackson to see me in this position yep. and which kind of, um, I guess – gave that opening or made Reggie connect in a way that that we would never have connected before so that this year seeing him again and being able to catch up and then talk about like his knee surgery and everything I mean it was and in the knee <laughs> the funny thing was he he played golf on a ruptured patella tendon yeah which was fun. And we're all talking about it. And Marcus Allen, too. We're all standing up there talking. Trust me, for everybody listening to this, I completely feel what you feel of how ridiculously insane and impossible it sounds when you say, yeah, I'm standing on the driving range and I'm talking to Marcus Allen and Reggie Jackson and Richard Dent and, like, we're all giving each other a bit crap you know we're all needling one another mm-hmm. like i trust me i'm still waiting for the alarm clock to go off so i can hit the snooze button and go i knew that it's not real you know what that is i'll tell you what that is that's golf yeah you want to know why because i'm not going up to reggie jackson in a batting cage and bsing with him <laughs> and i'm not going up to marcus allen during football practice and bsing with him but you know yeah. where everyone can bs driving range yeah, because everyone's got the same insecurity about the sport. <laughs> and Ain't when that I, true? And, and but when I, guess what though? One of those dudes on the driving range, uh, only one of them has a candy bar, which, you know, for a chubby dude that loves candy, the fact that that candy bar is could be coming back. Seriously? Yeah. 
There, yeah. yeah. Sign me up, boy. Yeah. I'll be first in line. He, uh, he brought up Tiger, who's going to tee it up this week at Torrey Pines. Yep. And we're coming up on so many different anniversaries of Tiger Woods in terms of like started on the PGA Tour. He had his, he had his big anniversary, uh, at the Masters, uh, a couple of years ago. And we're going back to Pebble for the U.S. Open. Going back week, to, exactly. And so there's so many anniversaries on this MLK Day special that you could talk about with Tiger and Reggie Jackson. But I, I have never heard, I've heard and read so many things of the impact Tiger's win at Augusta in 97 uh, had for the sport. I don't know that I ever heard it so eloquently put than what Reggie said about the Tour Championship victory when he said, when I saw that, I saw a rainbow of people. Yeah, that is that just so hit home. And and for Reggie to even talk about that is proof positive the impact of Tiger Woods culturally worldwide, not just in our culture, but across the globe what Tiger does for the sport of golf and for people because we talk about golf bringing people together mm-hmm. what what that does is just phenomenal and it was so great to have Reggie be so eloquent in talking about what he was feeling when he saw that it's just a really I'm really I'm I got to say this is I'm this is one of the podcasts that I'm really proud that we got to do because Reggie went somewhere yep. that we didn't lead him. He went there. He just went there and we went with him and he took us on a journey and allowed us to kind of be inside his curtain, which is, man, I'm I'm really proud that we got to do that. And I'm so thankful that Reggie was so honest and open with us and was willing to go there. And so it also means now we got Get Sirius XM to listen to his baseball show. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'm all in on that. And yeah. and you look at you know uh, Tiger with what he's done, and even Reggie, he was honest about it. He's like, look, Tiger hasn't has never been one of those guys that's really been open. He was more open about it as a kid, right? About the impact he would have racially on the sport. And when I look at some of these athletes that have broken the color barrier, obviously Jackie Robinson's the first one. Uh, that comes to everybody's mind, as he should. But when you look at a sport that was so segregated so late in its uh, development, which was golf, to have someone... I mean, think about that for a second. I don't know the age range and the demographic of those listening to Maddie and the Caddy, but we're talking about 97, 1997, when Tiger broke down a barrier in a wall for a lot of people to see. And so for someone like Reggie, who started off the interview by saying, I was never allowed on a golf course as a colored boy unless I was there shagging balls, for him to be able to see something like in 1997, Tiger Woods' win for the ages at Augusta National, for him to sit there and put that in perspective from someone who went through so much growing up through the 60s and probably hearing, not probably, hearing all of these racial uh, things thrown his way throughout his entire baseball career. He told us all the names that he was called. Yeah, he told us all the names that he was called. So for most of us who lived through that 97 Tiger Woods win, 
if it was as meaningful to us as it was, imagine what it was for Reggie and his generation. Well, speak on that. You, you, you can speak on it. What did it mean to you? You know I'm the eternal optimist that I try to always look at the bright side of things. And what it meant for me was another door was going to open. That's what that's what it meant for me. And the feeling that washed over me was hope. Mhm. Which I, that's I that's I look for that. There are some people that they look for What's going to go wrong? And I'm always looking for how's it going to go right? And so that moment for me, hope washed over me and went, okay, that door is now open. Like now there's no, once that happened, it's easy to, to go, well, no one can have an excuse now. Right. There's, there's no, there's no way to go. Yes, but. When Tiger won in 97 at the Masters, then that took that away, and that washed hope over me to go, yeah, this is somewhere where now everyone can be welcome. And one of my favorite parts about the Tiger story winning at Augusta is like the staff, the Augusta National staff uh, that typically wasn't allowed on the grounds or they were supposed to stay in the in the clubhouse serving, how they were able to go out there and watch Tiger from the balcony come up 18 and stop what they were doing to be able to soak in this this seminal moment in American sports history uh, of what that meant to them. And I always do things in frame of time. And for that to be now coming up on 22 years, that that's nothing. In the grand scheme of, tra- of things and – Moments, 22 years is nothing. Yeah, that's the that's the hardest part. The hardest part is living in that moment going, oh, man, this is happening. This is amazing. And now 22 years later, looking back, and you go, over the time of human beings, it's not even the beginning of the blink <laughs> of no, time. No, no. But it also then gives us an opportunity to go, how great will it be 22 years from now? And what will we get to live through in the next 22 years that some youngster will be asking us or talking about us going, I wonder what it was like when they lived through blank. Here's what I'll say about about Tiger and that moment and, and comparing him to Reggie Jackson. We'll get on to Tory Pines here in a minute. Um, I hope that Tiger in the next five years, 10 years, golf mortality will get him. It almost did once. It almost did twice. It, and, and it's going too soon. But I hope one day he does what Reggie Jackson has done, which is put down the armor put down the I'm one of the best people on the uh, best athletes on the planet, put down the chip on the shoulder for a minute and let us in to exactly what you were going through during all of this. My most looking forward to 
I see me and Tiger doing some really fun videos mm-hmm. so that I can show people just the sense of humor that he has and how funny he is. Oh, he does. He, yeah. Yeah. He people is one, he is one of the guys. The yeah, people ask me all the time. Like, is Tiger always serious? Like, I'm like, no, I don't. I don't think you understand how funny that dude is on the golf course or like when there's no cameras around and the crazy, hilarious and fun conversations that we have that I would never, you know, it's like this stuff that you talk about with your friends that you like, you're never, I'm never going to talk about that publicly because it's just a conversation between friends. That's a lot of fun, but there will be an opportunity. I hope at some point where we can actually, do some fun stuff for everyone to see yeah. so that makes them go wait i didn't know he was like that yeah, he, like- he 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 is one of the guys i and 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 there's been glimpses but you're right nothing compared to what you you you've had the privilege to see but i really i want him i want him to go beyond fun and no, just literally let us. Who are you? What? Who are you? What did ninety seven yeah. mean? What did all of this mean? Don't give me the canned. No, answer. don't give me the canned piece. I, yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't. You need, know what? Don't give me the Tiger Woods corporate answer. I don't need that. I don't want. I, yeah, yeah, I, I already thought, know Tiger Woods corporate. I know exactly know what's going to be. Yeah, when my when my back was hurt, I thought it was over. I couldn't walk. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but like, take me into those struggles. Take me into why. You started taking those pills. Take me into all of it. Mm. Because I would say on this planet Earth right now in terms of athletes that have more of a story to tell, I think Tiger Woods is one and it's not even close because I would put Tiger up there as with Jackie and Ali. I would put him up there as one of the most influential athletes in American sports history i would completely agree the only thing the only thing and this is where it's like i get to five minutes ago go i'm always an optimist and now i'm gonna be a complete pessimist oh good and be a complete dark cloud be me (laughs) you know what bothers me what what bothers me is there are less golfers of color on tour now than there were when it was on the books that African Americans weren't allowed. I know. Like that really burns me. Like what, it just what it's is something that? that just sticks. It just it's like a needle in my side. But why not is the good kind? I thought here's what I here's what I candidly thought. I thought ninety seven Tiger breaks down the wall. I thought in the few years after that, the floodgates would open because I know first tee, first tee was doing a big inner city initiative for a long time. Well, no, they, no, here's the, here's the myth and the fallacy. All right. And I had, I had a really great conversation with someone who used to work at ESPN and now works at one of our competitors, but a guy who I still, text back and forth with and love to death skip bayless who is a golf maniac but also grew up in not the greatest neighborhood and played golf with a lot of brothers when he was a kid 
Like that's where he comes from. And we had this conversation and a lot of people in golf say the same thing. Well, the first tee, the first tee, the fr- yes, the first tee has done good stuff for golf. But had, to say that the first tee is great for inner city golf, sorry. You know, it's not. And here's why. And this is, this is my personal opinion, okay? Here's what I see is the problem. There's nowhere to put a golf course in a city. Okay? There's mm-hmm. no land there. That's true. So you can't build a golf course there. So now you have to build a golf course somewhere where the people that you're trying to reach aren't. So on the surface, when you put a spot out and go, look at this. We built this. It's fantastic. We got all this for the kids. We're going to, this is their opportunity. And then you don't have transportation to get them there or back. Then for me, it's just window dressing. It's saying all the right things, but knowing in the end you're not doing all the right things. Mm-hmm. Because here's the like, great you got a spot where kids can go and it's a safe place, and the first tees program is amazing. It is absolutely amazing. But if you're talking about helping inner city kids, you got to get them there and get them back. That's transportation. That means vans buses it means insurance like that kind of stuff that ain't free and that's what you don't see so when you say why wasn't there in an influx of you know african-american golfers and why wasn't it that more inner city kids picked up golf clubs it's well where are they gonna play yeah that's and a great point it's great that you got a spot for them in the, in the, you know in the suburbs but how, how you getting them there how you getting them home who's feeding them like, you're going to have a van go to school and pick them up? Or you're going to have a van? Like, one of the things I give Robert Gomez a lot of credit for is he went out and bought vans for the boys and girls clubs of from Orlando. He's doing a lot of work there. And his vans are taking – it's all about transportation. Go get the kids, take them where they can be safe and do the right things and be given opportunities. But a lot of places go, here's a spot where you can have an opportunity. Awesome. If you can't get the kids that need it the most there, then what kids are getting that opportunity? The ones that need it the most or the ones that are kind of, meh? That's they true. They were going to be all right without. Yeah. <laughs> that's my, that, So that's where the fundamental problem is with how do you get the people that you say you're trying to reach, how do you get them to golf that's the problem and i and 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 i I think it's a a very good point that here we are 21 22 years later from the landmark victory at augusta and you're right there isn't there aren't any there aren't any there wasn't an influx uh of african-american golfers that i think every single person in the sport thought there would be and that looks harold varner the third i was gonna say we got on the pga tour and that's not on tiger no, uh, that's no, not on Tiger. I know the, a lot of people the, like to say right. that's not on Tiger. That's one of the things where people, you know, it's easy for people to go, you know, Tiger can do a whole bunch of like, <laughs> it's just Tiger Woods can bring, like, he's not going to pick people up. <laughs> like, you remember, his job right now is to be a golfer. That's right. Now, at some point in career number two, 
He could be an ambassador. He could be. But I, to say that that's what his role should be, it'd be like saying that's Michael Jordan should have done more of that. Like, and I was just going to use him. Jordan infamously said, you know, Republicans buy, go- buy basketball shoes. shoes too. Yeah, buy shoes right? too. Like, yeah. That's what his way of staying neutral is. Now, people say, yeah, but you're done playing basketball. You could still, now you could do something. Well, hold up. Now you're an owner. <laughs> now you're running companies. So it's like, okay, you're still doing, now you're doing different stuff. And it's like, I, I'm still not, I'm not ready to go. I'm not ready to put that kind of burden on Jordan because of where he went philanthropically, if mm-hmm. that's a word. Yeah. Yeah, it is now. I think philanthropically is a word. <laughs> it sounds, you know. Look, as long as I know what you mean, I've always been that kind of, if, if I know what you mean, it's a word. See? You know, philanthropically. Yep. Yeah, get it. So then you're cool with me saying encompass. No. No. You know no. what I mean. Well done. You just said no, 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 you no, no, know no, what no, I no, mean. No, I'm talking about word creation. You are mispronouncing a created word. What if I, this is my word? I'm encompassing all kinds of I will, vernacular I, into this podcast. I will say How the, about that? the fact that you were able to bring that back full circle is probably the, the best thing you've ever done on this podcast. I'm right. a comedian. It's about a callback. I call back a joke <laughs> from a previous podcast. We call him now. Receipts. People who didn't, people who don't know the the encompass argument, encompass encompass. Now they got to go back and find it on a previous podcast. See, there you go. And you're even promoting the podcast. All right. So this brings us to current day in terms of Tiger. You're going to be out at uh, Tory Pines this week. Tiger making his debut. I will tell you, I'm always this way with him. When it first starts, I have zero, zero, zero expectations for Tiger Woods this week. Zero. I'm so glad you said that because all the fanatics are going to be just, he's going to be, I don't, I still don't understand how he's one of the favorites for the Masters. I do. I do. I do. Really? Yeah, I do. I just don't. I mean, he was a favorite at the Masters last year and hadn't done a damn thing. Now, he, okay. he came in good. He came in at Valspar and, and had a couple of moments going in uh, to the Masters. But now he's coming off a win. He's just shut it down for so long. <laughs> and he admitted that he played too much last year. It's going to take a couple of tournaments. It's going to take a couple of California tournaments, a Florida tournament here and there, to, for him to find his body, swing, feel good about it. And at that point, I'm not judge. I, and, and I might be in the minority here, but I'm not judging one thing Tiger does from T1 on Thursday until he tees it up at Augusta. I had a friend of mine last night at dinner actually still saying to me, you know, you think he's out there just pounding balls? getting?" And I'm like, "Did you, what part of back surgery and I restricted? Did, why do people who love Tiger always forget that part? Tiger cannot just go pound balls. He can't spend an eight-hour day grinding at the golf course that is not what his body will allow him to do anymore and even he talked about how much more efficient he needs to be so now take a dude who's going to be spending vacation and family time without even touching a golf club and you think now he's going to people the other thing that will be easy to say will be yeah remember the success like he wins there all the time. He did before they changed the North Course. Right. And if I remember correctly, 
the last couple times that he went back there and played wasn't that successful. Yeah, and and that's that's just it. And I just hope uh, for God and Tiger and country and golf that he doesn't try because. One of the more remarkable things about Tiger, as we saw him uh, kind of matriculate through the season, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> the word. was uh, pick up his swing speed and how just unbelievable his swing speed was, which it shouldn't have been based on what he's done, been through with his back. And so I just hope that he doesn't come out there this week and try to lose his shoes and some of the swings because he's on TV again. He's playing to Tory Pines. <laughs> he just needs to work his way back in because I have I've said this on previous podcasts. Like Michael did earlier, go check them out. I've been on the record about Tiger that I've said that if if East Lake Tiger shows up at Augusta, he wins without drama. But it's getting to that point in the next three months to get to Tiger at East Lake at Augusta for that prediction to come to fruition. I'm glad that you have that kind of hope for Augusta. I'm not. Nope. Sorry. I don't have Tiger winning one major this year. Well, you're running out of years. <laughs> I know. Well, you've been you've never been one of those guys anyway. You thought it was over. No. You've been off the major thing for a while. Yes, that the major thing, yes. The major thing I have been off for a while and and I'm I'm standing by that. I'm standing by and I and I feel like I have good reason and you know when it used to be do you take Tiger at a field and you take Tiger? There's I, I feel like I, the field right now is a really good bet. Okay, let me ask you this. Other than, give me, at, I don't think there are more than, let me think, one, two, three. At their peak, I don't think there are more than three golfers at their peak who play Augusta better than Tiger Woods. I have three in my mind. Height of their oh, powers. We, we have we have golfers now that we haven't seen play Augusta. That, but you've got to take that into consideration. Yeah, but okay. So think about this: a guy like Cameron Champ, who hasn't even qualified for the Masters yet. If he qualifies for the Masters, what do you think he's going to do when he gets there? But what did I just say? People, three players that play Augusta better than Tiger Woods at the height of their powers. Yeah, but yeah, there's about- there's always going to be unknowns. I I get that, yeah. but what I'm saying right now, I think Jordan Spieth, Phil, and Bubba, when those guys are clicking at Augusta, those three dudes can win the Masters when they are clicking at Augusta. The other one, Tiger. You can give me Dustin Johnson, hadn't won. You can give me Rory, hadn't won. You can give me Adam Justin Scott. Thomas, hasn't won. So you don't you don't think. Adam Scott clicking at Augusta. No, I haven't seen it enough out of him. I've seen every time Jordan Spieth has put a peg in the ground at Augusta, he's in contention. I've seen Bubba uh, Bubba uh, Watson win two. These um, Phil Mickelson, multiple green jackets. Those are the three guys, other than Tiger, that when they are at the peak of their Augusta powers, can win at the Masters. Tiger's four. Yeah. And so if he's if he's clicking. He's in contention. I think this year at Augusta, I would be very wary of Brooks Kepka. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, Brooks Kepka doesn't have a nervous system. <laughs> yeah. Where Dustin Johnson doesn't play Augusta well, no. and you would think that he'd be able to find a way 
to play Augusta well. Brooks Kepka charges himself at night. <laughs> he plugs himself in when he goes to sleep. I think Brooks Kepka always stays at 50% when he's on the golf course. Brooks like Kepka his battery level. So he puts it on like <laughs> power low, save. Low power. Yeah, he puts it on power saving mode and that's why he seems to be the way that he is on the golf. And him and him and Dustin Johnson both are always on power saving mode at work. Brooks Kepka has to be reminded on the sixth hole he's in a major championship. Like Brooks, you're on the sixth hole of a major. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, hang on. <laughs> okay. All right, good. Brooks, you know you're not playing at, at an executive course with your uh, – all right. Okay, thanks. Yeah, he don't, he don't know any better. So we look forward to your uh, coverage this week at Torrey Pines. Uh, yeah, we I'm going to have... be out there for the whole week, which yes. is a lot of fun. I was wondering, do you think I should try and go to that uh, the flight port thing? What's a to flight? Try and get on one of those uh, – what, What's a flight port thing? You know, the, the well, I don't want to call it an airport. It's a flight port because of those dudes that cliff they hang glide. Oh by the cliff. yeah 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. I yeah, was the, the para I, the parasailers paragliders. It's like a parasailer yeah, glide, parasail thing. Yeah. The should you do guys. it? Yeah. Should I try that? No, no, no. You don't think so? No. Gravity is undefeated, and I don't yeah, know. But, I don't know what kind of wings you'd need to fly. I believe I can fly. Okay, yeah, that's probably not the guy you want to be quoting right now. Yeah, okay, yeah, you're right. My bad. Uh, um, <laughs> how about seal? Fly like an ego. So wait a second. I would. I think. I think. I would like to try that. I don't. There's some things that I don't want. I don't want a bungee jump. No. I want to skydive. Skydiving still on my on my bucket list. All right. But that thing, I think, might be kind of cool. All right. Can you at least wait until we release a couple more podcasts? <laughs> So that if something horrible happens, we have a nice little archive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, like when so, you know, yeah, you know, like when an artist is writing music and they die unexpectedly, and then there's that album that comes out after they die and they clean up. We so, could be like Tupac and put out like 27 more podcasts. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? We got after the week that we, or the week, the after the couple of days that we put in at the Diamond Resorts mm -hmm. Tournament of Champions. We got a nice little, a little stockpile, but yeah, there's yeah, you're good. Yeah, go jump off a cliff. Do. We're good. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> nah, I'm just saying. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm we're good. I, I, you saw, you jump sold off me. a cliff. You saw me. You know what? Do it. Go. Okay. All right. It'd be something fun and different. Oh, it would be different. All right. It because those guys always look like they're so cool. I remember caddying, and I remember thinking these dudes are getting a little nosy. Like they just want to see. What's in the yardage book there? I'm like number four, which goes right along the cliff. You really think to yourself, like, "Hey, are you guys trying to come hit a shot here or something?" Like, what's, what's up? What's going on? So I want to know how close, because you know, a lot of times when you think something's real close, it's like that mirror. Yeah, objects in the mirror appear closer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, so you, tell you what, you do it. You report back to me. All right. And I would like video of this as well. Yeah, well, yeah, that's going to be the thing. I'm definitely going to do All right. duct tape a GoPro to my forehead or something. I don't yeah, know. that'll be good. So next time out, next time. Hold up, hey, GoPro, hook a brother up. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I like about you? Subtle. <laughs> well, we well, ain't no time. Yeah, I ain't look, got time to mess hey, around. This tournament starts in a couple days. I, I don't think subtlety is either of our strong suits. <laughs> exactly. By the way, love the Titleist 2019 prototypes I got sent. Thank you for that. See, that wasn't subtle either.
You mean the golf balls I ain't give you? You didn't get. You didn't need to give them to me. They sent them out on their own. Oh, see. Yeah, I got a couple of boxes of them. I know the. the I, you I'm, know, I haven't busted so them out yet. I played golf with Ken Griffey Jr. the other day, and when I busted it out, he was like, "Oh, you got a cookie box too." Yeah, yeah, they he are. It's it an unmarked box. box. Yeah, it's like it's Pro like V1. the it's like the uh, FBI van version of a golf box, <laughs> like a stakeout version. Like yeah. you're like, "Oh, look at the van." Yeah, that's exactly what they are. Um, so next week on the podcast, we will recap Tory Pines. We will have another Hall of Famer join us. Potentially. And we, what do you mean potentially? Well, there's. I got a lot of money that says we can have two join us if we want. To. We could have a former AL MVP join us too. We could we? have a former AL MVP. That's what I mean. That's true. So We're not Hall of Fame yet. That's true. All right, so we will have that, and we will have potentially a recap of Michael Collins jumping off a cliff with wings. <laughs> I can't wait. You know what? Tory Pines just got even better for me. <laughs> Remember, I hope it's windy now because I'm not going. <laughs> if it's crazy windy, I'm not doing it. Now you might need some wind. Little little pick me up. All right, so re- <laughs> it's my booty. Remember, don't make me get terse with you, man. <laughs> subscribe. Listen, rate, hit us up on social media at Maddie and Caddy, both Instagram and Twitter. Or call us on the listener line, 860-506-6012. I promise we will unveil those phone calls. We taped this on a day where we didn't have access to the call. So if you called a week ago, we will get to all of them next week when Collins may or may not join us. And then you may or may not have to have a subscription to get Maddie and Caddy podcast because I'm going to get rich off Collins cliff diving. <laughs> For the caddy, Michael I am the Maddie. Enjoy the rest of your week. This has been Maddie and the Caddy, the podcast. Thanks for listening to Maddie and the Caddy. Check out more great ESPN podcasts in the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Maddie and the Caddy.